0: Hey everybody, thanks very much for hanging out with us today at Todd Versations. I am really stoked about today's guest. I think this is gonna be a very interesting conversation. Uh, you know, if you're at the gym, you know, maybe slow down on the treadmill and listen a little bit more. You're driving the car, get down to the speed limit. If you're hiding from your boss, make sure you can stay hidden long enough to hear this. I think this conversation is gonna blow you away. We're gonna talk about some alternative meat, we're gonna talk about what's going on, the power of fermentation, all this really cool stuff. So let's introduce my guest today. He's an author of the book called Clean Meat, he's a podcast host. He's a CEO and co-founder of the Better Meat Co. Please give it up for my friend Paul Shapiro. Welcome,
1: brother. Todd, so great to be with you, my man. And uh, I appreciate you uh, giving a shout out to those who are listening while at the gym because pretty much like hundred percent of my personal podcast consumption is done at the gym. So yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate you you taking uh, that into account here. And if you are running, I hope you uh, I hope that you will slow down a little bit, but not too much. You know, you want to push yourself.
0: I'm pushing. I agree, but I have a hunch when we start this conversation, people are like, "What in the hell? What? Way? whoa!" That's what I'm looking forward to because I'm fascinated by what you guys are doing.
1: Maybe, uh, had, maybe they'll be so excited by it that they'll want to uh, speed up on the treadmill. Who knows?
0: You know, God love them if they do. You know what? I love that approach, brother. The positivity approach. I'm all about it. I'm with you. So let's get this thing started because I, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited to learn more. Uh, you know, I'm really fascinated about my guests when I have them on here. I do a lot of deep dive. I really get myself up to speed. And you're actually one of the guests where it's like. All right, I I got what I got, but you're going to teach me up a little bit today, too, because I think it's just such a fascinating topic. So I'm like a a third grader out here with wide eyes right now, getting ready to learn something. But before we get going, let's give everybody a little bit of a chance to just kind of get to know who you are, if you wouldn't mind. Just throw out a little bio on who you are and what your journey is to hanging out with me today.
1: Uh, Sure, Todd. So as you very generously pointed out, I wrote a book called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. I also host the Business for Good podcast, which is a show that essentially spotlights entrepreneurs who are trying to use their business to solve really serious social problems. And I am the co-founder and the CEO of The Better Meat Co. We're based in Sacramento, California. We are a business-to-business ingredients company where we harness the power of fermentation to create next-generation ingredients for the meat industry. And these are animal-free ingredients. So- a very brief introduction to the topic. You know, you think about, for example, how we used to um, take photos, right? We used to take photos, you would have to go into a dark room and have all these chemicals and the gelatin film and you'd have to wait for days to get it back. Then like one hour photo came out like 20 or so years ago and we were all really stoked about one hour photo. And now of course we got our photos instantly. You right. Imagine you took one minute to get your photo, you'd be outraged today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, 20 years ago, we were pretty happy with one hour photo. Well, the end experience is the same, right? So you're still capturing your memories, right? You still have a photo still just captures your memories, so that you can go back and look at it later. But it's done way more efficiently. And the same thing is going to happen in the meat space, where for thousands of years, we've produced meat in one specific way. But now there are numerous other ways that are being invented that allow us to get the same experience, that same experience of eating meat, except done in a way that is divorced from having to raise and slaughter all these animals, which has- right real benefits for public health, for the environment, and so on. And so happy to talk about it, but that's a little, little brief nutshell, what we're doing at the Better Meat. Co. Yeah, right. Well, let's talk a little bit. Let's You know, what is the global demand for meat? I mean, it's a big-ass business. I don't even know what the number I mean, it's massive. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about globally over $800 billion for the meat industry. That excludes seafood. So you're talking about just an absolutely enormous industry. And demand is going up. Demand yeah. is going up. It's not just going up because the number of people on the planet is going up. It's also on a per person basis, meat demand continues to rise. So in, in China, in India, in Brazil, in Mexico, and all the places where it's going to matter the most in the future, meat demand is going up, not down. The problem is that meat is just really resource intensive to produce. It takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions and more. And so the question is, like, how are we going to produce all this meat? for these incoming billions of people. We have 8 billion of us today. There's probably gonna be about 10 billion of us by 2050. Like we don't have another planet to farm. We're not gonna be farming the moon or Mars, like we have one planet to farm. And so just in the same way that like, if you think about drip irrigation, it enabled us to produce more with less, right? Drip irrigation enables us to produce more produce with less water. We need the equivalent for meat of drip irrigation where we can produce more meat fewer animals and the way to do that is not to let's say make animals get bigger or grow faster those are only marginal improvements to the efficiency of the system right the way to do it is simply to go into different kingdoms not to go into the animal kingdom but to go into the microbial kingdom like with microbial fungi it's to go into the plant kingdom and take plants like uh, yellow peas and turn them into things that look and taste like meat And so that is the future that will still have a meat experience. Like, you know, I I walk into this room, I flip on the white switch. Nobody is thinking to themselves, oh, like, is this coming from wind or solar? They're not thinking the light is coming from coal or oil or wind or solar. Like they just want light, right? They want the room. And similarly, when most people eat meat, they're not thinking, ah, I'm so glad an animal was slaughtered for this. Like they don't think about it at all. They're just, you know, if they do think about it, they might even prefer an animal not be a part of the equation, who knows? But nobody really cares that much, and so if we can create the same experience that tastes just as good, is even healthier, and is cost competitive, I think a lot of people will be very happy to switch over to these new generations of meat. Oh, I think you're right,
0: and I think when you know we get into it a little bit more, we're going to dive in deeper to the process and what you guys do because again, I find it incredibly fascinating. But you know, I think about you touched on a little bit. You, t- you think about the impact, the environment, health, water supply, arable land, right? All of which are Issues that affect every person on this planet that we call a community um, in one way or another, and we've got to make changes all the way around through all of our supply chain. Otherwise, to your point, where are we going to be in 2050 with 9.8 billion? Is the number they're throwing out? That's a lot of people coming, and who knows if the aliens are coming? Shit, that could be a whole lot of other people we don't even know about. We don't know what the hell they eat, so who knows, right? Yeah,
1: but and it will be pretty go. riveting if the aliens could survive on earthly food. I don't know. Did you see District Nine, Todd, the movie? No. Uh, Maybe. I don't know.
0: Probably. Probably on an airplane. I've seen every movie. I don't remember them anymore.
1: Yeah. So in District 9, um, which is, I I really recommend the movie. It's great. But uh, oddly, these aliens who get struck up on Earth, like the only thing that they can eat is cat food. And so there's like this big demand among the alien community for cat food. And, uh, you know, I don't know what uh, evolutionary conditions there were on their planet that led them to be able to digest cat food. That seems like a, a pretty uh, unique uh, circumstance. Um, but who knows if we have aliens coming, I, I can't wait to see what they eat. I would be thrilled. But I have a feeling that if anybody makes it here, they're probably not going to be biological anymore. It's probably going to be like AI that, you know, the yeah, community. exactly. Yeah. They might just be subsisting on electrons
0: well, only. Okay, well, the simulator gets revealed at that point, right? This massive, this massive Pong game we're playing right now is going to be, you know, the curtain comes back. There's no doubt. It's but you know, the you're, game. you're solving big problems and I want to get into some of that. And I know it's going to get incorporated in what we're talking about, but let's get everybody just up to speed. What the better, what, you know, what the better MeCo is, right? Sure. If you wouldn't mind. Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now
1: a word from our sponsor.
2: Hi, I'm Karen Nardotza, President and CEO of Moxie Marketing. On behalf of all the Moxers worldwide, thanks for listening to Todd Versations and Toddbits. At Moxie, we're known for strategic marketing and PR, unique branding and packaging, award-winning web and graphic design, and trade show experiences that generate results. Whether you're selling B2B or B2C, a farmer, processor, commodity board, retailer, food service or somewhere else on the supply chain we make it easier to grow your brand and your business from avocados to zucchini and petunias to protein we help you tell your story stand out and achieve your goals get moxie and together we'll celebrate your success
1: i don't mind and before i do i just want to comment on one thing that you mentioned about water yeah. you know You and I, Todd, both live in the Central Valley of California. Water is so critical for us; like the entire industry, basically here, is dependent on Mm -hmm. water. California is in a mega drought for more than two decades. We've been getting drier and hotter, and chances are that's not going to change. We're going to have less and less water as the years go on. And so the question is, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, should we be taking shorter showers or should we be watering our lawns less? It's like that; those are that's important. Don't get me wrong; like those are important. But eighty percent of the state's water use is agricultural, not not home use. Only 10% is home use. And so the question is like, how can we get more efficient and raising animals is just a very, very water intensive thing to do, uh, both for dairy and for beef and so on. And just to give one example, even if you go to chicken, which is way more water friendly than beef, uh, you know, just to get one chicken from shell to shelf on the supermarket, you have to take more than a thousand gallons of water to do that. And that's way more than you would need if we were growing meat from either plants or from microbes. And so now let me just say how we're doing it. So at the Better Meat Co., what we do is we take tiny microscopic fungi. You can't see them microscopic fungi and we subject them to a special kind of fermentation. And now you're familiar with fermentation like, let's say, for beer or alcohol. Right. So you put the microbe, which in that case is a brewer's yeast or, or right you put that in a fermenter, you feed it sugar, and it produces alcohol. That's how you get brewers yeast, excuse me, that's how you get beer from brewers yeast or wine from brewers yeast. What we're doing is we have a special kind of microscopic fungi, our own little microbe, and when we subject it to a fermentation and feed it common agricultural byproducts, like byproducts from the corn or from the rice or from the potato industry, what we do is see that organism grow really rapidly, into something that has an extremely meat like texture and it's not animal in nature. It comes from the fungi kingdom, but it's a very clean taste, very high protein. In fact, higher protein than eggs, higher iron than beef. And that product is delicious and it's cost effective and it's cheaper for us to produce it than it is to produce beef. So you can grow, really large amounts from the time we inoculate our fermenter to the time we harvest our fermenter is less than one single day. So you think about like a cow who you're feeding for well over a year before slaughter or a chicken who you're feeding for about 40 days before slaughter. And in our case, we are feeding for less than one single day before we harvest these microscopic fungi and the product, which is called, which we call rhizomycoprotein, That rhizomycoprotein, again, is very nutritious, high in iron, high in protein. It's a complete protein and has all the essential amino acids in it. And what ends up happening with it is that we dry it into a shelf-stable granule that then we offer to companies. We're partnered, for example, with Hormel Foods, the big uh, pork company, for them to use as ingredients in their products. And so it can be flavored to taste like meat and it can be um, put into pretty much almost any meat type product that you would want. So you can either blend it into actual animal meat in like a ground meat application, like a burger or a sausage or a meatball, um, but you can also use it to make a completely animal-free meat experience. So you can make your own um, alternative meats with it. And again, it's extremely meat like in its texture. And so you don't have a lot of uh, expensive downstream processing steps because straight out of the fermenter, this comes out really chewing like meat does. Unreal. I mean, I got to ask a hundred dollar question.
0: I mean, would you wake up one morning and
1: go, hey, I have an idea how this guy, this idea come about? Uh, Well, hopefully it's more than a hundred dollar idea. I would love that. (laughs) Uh, But but, um, I'll tell you. So, no, we so. The idea of using microscopic fungi to uh, use in fermentation is not new. People have been doing this for decades. Sure. The idea of using it to make the meat experience though is newer. And so the question is like, how do you do it? And how do you do it in a way that's actually economical? Because if you think about like right now, if you look at the plant-based meat space, you have these companies like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat and so on. And what they're doing is they're using plants. They're using other soybeans or they're using yellow peas and so on. The problem is that, um, and, and don't get me wrong, like, I think those are good products, I'm hoping for those company success. At the same time, you're not using the whole pea. You're not using the whole soybean. You're using a tiny little fraction of it. So right. you know, a, a yellow pea is like 20% protein. So what they have to do is strip out the fiber, strip out the fat concentrate it down into like a pea protein powder, but that powder while high in protein still is not textured like animal meat. And so you need to then engage in all these texturization steps, which are uh, pretty costly to do. And so this is why, for example, a Beyond Burger is more expensive than a conventional burger, even though peas are cheaper than beef and peas are the the main source of their product, you're not using whole peas, they are using a tiny little fraction. So the question is, can you make a product that uses the whole plant? as opposed to just a tiny little fraction. With right. plants, it's pretty difficult, but when you get into the fungi kingdom, actually you can. And so what we did for years at the Better Meat Co. was test hundreds of strains of what's called mycelium. Mycelium is the root-like structure of fungi. So don't think about a mushroom, think about the roots right. that under the ground. We tested hundreds of these strains to see really which ones grew the fastest, which ones accumulated the most amount of protein, and which ones had the most meat-like texture. So just in the same way, the different plants have different characteristics like corn and wheat and pea, they all have different characteristics even though they're all plants. Simply because these are all fungi species doesn't mean they're going to have the same characteristics. So we tested all of these strains in order to figure out which one would be our best workhorse. The workhorse that would grow the fastest, accumulate the most protein, and have the most meat-like texture. From there, we started scaling the process up, and we built a mycelium biomass fermentation facility in Sacramento. Todd, I hope you'll come visit us sometime. I'm coming. I'm coming. But uh, you walk in, and it looks like a beer brewery. Um, you know, we have fermenters that go three stories into the air. And it looks like a beer brewery, but we're not brewing beer. We're brewing meat. And it is a way more sustainable, way more efficient, way healthier way to produce the meat experience than the way that we do it today with animals.
0: Unreal. Unreal. And you re- and 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 you replicate, right? I mean, you know, you replicate beef, you can do fish, you can do pork, you can do crab, you can do chicken. How the hell I are you doing it. that?
1: Come on, you That's gotta tell true. me. What's give me the secret? There's gotta be some secret there. Come on, lay it on. <laughs> Well, the secret is in the fermentation, to be honest with you. But the reality is that um, we are a B2B ingredients company. So we offer our mycoprotein to food companies for them to make those products. But yes, we do show what they can do with it. And so if you come to the Better Co. in Sacramento, you can try some mycoprotein bacon, some mycoprotein chicken nuggets, some mycoprotein burgers, and more. And so we just want to show what you can do with our ingredients. See, most companies are accustomed to working with animal meat. And they're accustomed to working with plants. They're less accustomed to working with mycelium, and again, the root-like structure of fungi. And so, we have a, a chef and food scientists and so on who have created great formulas for our customers to be able to show them this is how magic the, magical this ingredient is, and here's what you can do with it.
0: That's unreal. It's a, and it ha, so so from a flavor standpoint. So, how do you derive the different flavors? Sure. Out so of, out of the rhizome? The rhizomycoprotein
1: itself is pretty neutral in its flavor. It's, it's I would, have, yeah, I was gonna, I was going to assume that, yeah, yeah, it's it's chewy like meat, but it's not really flavored like anything, and so that creates a very uh, a very versatile palette upon which the user, the, the food company, can create their own flavors. And so, uh, we use a variety of yeast extracts in order to impart different types of flavor, whether it's crab, chicken, fish, etc. And so the substrate is the same. It's just the rhizomycoprotein. And then the flavor really comes mainly from yeast extracts. Right. Okay. Cool. And I, and I want to make
0: sure that, you know, and I, I, I don't want to leave it off the table. I want to make sure we touch it so everybody's up to speed. Cause again, I go back to that. All right. You know, let's get a, we're good. And I don't mean it. Hey, people listening, don't get pissed, but let's get it down to a third grade level. Explain fermentation just a little bit deeper for folks so they understand. Because, you know, it's like, for a, it's beer, but it's not beer. And it's not really, it's, you know, it's not a mushroom, right? It doesn't look like a mushroom, doesn't taste like a mushroom. It's not a mushroom. It's you know, right. it's it, it's it's the actually the part of the mushroom that communicates to Mother Earth in a lot of ways. If those yeah. want to go a little bit deeper about what actually that the roots are of a mushroom are, read up about that. It'll fascinate you. But talk a little bit about fermentation one, and I'm gonna I got yeah. another nine hundred thousand questions behind that one.
1: Okay, so uh, the very first food processing technology that humanity invented was fire. The second was fermentation, and so fermentation basically as a process in which you convert something into something else. So your microbes, the, the microorganism that you're utilizing in the fermentation oftentimes can act like a factory. And so think about it like this, like, let's say you have, um, baker's yeast, which is a specific type of Saccharomyces microorganism. You have baker's yeast you pr- and you feed it sugar, which is in the, it's in the wheat that it's consuming. So you have sugar there and it produces, the co2 the carbon dioxide that makes your bread rise this is why if you don't have baker's yeast your bread will not rise right and so you see those bubbles in there that's created through a fermentation process that is fermenting where basically you're feeding a microbe and that microbe is producing something that you want it's kind of like feeding a chicken and you get an egg or feeding a cow and you get milk except way more efficiently because you're dealing mm-hmm. with microscopic organisms And so in the case of what we so then in beer you know you have a different organism so instead of you know feeding it sugar and getting co2 you feed it sugar and you and you get alcohol right right different organisms are used for wine or for beer but the point is these are all kind of like imagine little tiny microscopic animals and you're feeding them something to get something else that's the process of fermentation it's really a magical process what we at The Better Meat Co. do, though, is we don't use the microorganisms as a factory to produce something else. We're not feeding a chicken to get the egg. We're feeding the micro to get the microbe. So we're more like feeding a chicken for the chicken meat. And so what we do is we feed our microorganism, again, this microscopic mycelium, and it grows. And once it's done growing, which is about 20 hours later, we harvest it and we eat it. And it's delicious. It's safe. Yeah nutritious and it's extremely light footprint on the planet. Very little land, very little water compared to raising animals for food.
0: Yeah, let and let's talk about what you're throwing because you talk about potato byproduct and you know agriculture byproduct. So you'll know, just we'll just use potatoes. Are you using like a number two potato? You're using, you know, cold potatoes, are you using the plant from the potato? Talk a little bit about you know what you what you're throwing in there to blend up.
1: Sure. So the feedstock for our fermentation, you know, what I was talking about fermentations before, which is basically just sugar. Well, right. there's sugar in a, in a lot of things, right? There's sugar in potatoes, there's sugar in, Lots potatoes, of it. sugar in rice. And so what we do is we work with large agricultural producers who provide us with their byproducts byproducts that are not going to uh, be used for much of anything useful or for anything that valuable and we upcycle them by feeding them to our microorganisms who then convert them into what's called biomass which is basically a fancy way of just saying their meat basically and so what we do is we we're partnered with uh, with a variety of players in the ag industry who have all these byproducts that are very low value to them. And what we do is we convert convert them into something that's high value. And so our microbes don't care where they're getting their sugar from. We don't have to, you know, like, you know, go out and buy high quality or high value products. We can use these low value byproducts, feed it to them, and they're quite happy to grow on it. And that's the, uh, the process by which we are making this so cost effectively is because it just is not that expensive to do. Now, there's a capital cost to it in terms of the equipment, like steel to buy the fermenters and honestly, the intellectual labor that you need, like this is not a simple process. It's not fermentation like uh, making kimchi here, although that's quite an art as well, but it's not like making kimchi. Like you're using, um, like, you know, if you went, Let's say you know in our area todd you probably passed the budweiser facility where they have those huge fermenters outside right you walk in there i mean it's like a laboratory right you've got phd microbiologists walking around in white lab coats and you know you have like people who are highly trained at keeping those fermentations going in the optimal conditions and the same is so with us Uh, we have you know phd microbiologists who work to make sure that our fermentations are going well so it's expensive in terms of capital expenditures to create the fermentation system and your labor force is highly um has, has to be a highly trained labor force it's not um like you know you can hire no, people I would... minimum wage to do this um, but the fermentation itself like the ingredients that go into it are not as expensive as you might assume right so let's talk
0: about i mean can you do this organically i mean if you were to have organic byproduct could you could you produce you know what you're doing organically
1: yes so um in the fermentation world like you think about other fermented products like kombucha as an example like you can have sure. an organic kombucha because your, your feed stock will be um organic you could do that we are not doing that um so you know a, a minuscule percentage of meat that is sold is organic and you know our target market is the entire meat industry not not just right. the organic and so we're not uh, producing organic, but that's only because like the feedstock we're feeding, it's coming from byproducts, and those byproducts come from a variety of sources. So right. if you're only working with organic farms, that would be one thing. But um, our microbes aren't that picky. And uh, no,
0: totally, no, I get it. I, I just think it shows that, that the possibilities, right? I think it shows that you're right. It's a very small portion of that business, but it's doable, which you know is actually really cool to think about. Like, wow, okay. Yeah. who knows where that scale? Right, I mean, look, if you're looking to scale, that'd be a great way to scale too, right? So you're not, you know, yeah. if, it were, if it works, I don't think you're going to say no to it. Right, you'll lean into it. But yeah, one of the things you touched on earlier, and I got to go back to, and I want people to hear this because it is so impressive. Tell everybody again, and just get a little more specific, you would about the nutritional makeup of the product because it's when you lay it all out there, it's like holy crap.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's so impressive. It is impressive, and it's something that frankly we would all be better off eating. So if you think about like right now the number one killer of Americans is heart disease for both men and women, even during the COVID pandemic, the number one cause of death, still heart disease. And, uh, we know that eating a diet that's really high in animal meat is associated with increased risk of heart disease. That's very clear. This is why all the public health organizations are just to eat less meat and to eat a more plant-based diet. Okay. That's fine. But most people really like eating meat. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they say, Hey, we should be exercising more. Well, a lot of people don't really want to exercise. So, the, the issue is like, how can we produce something that is way better for us that still mimics that same meat experience? It's kind of like, you know, people really want to drive, right? It would be awesome if we like to walk more, but people really like to drive. And so we need to make cars that don't rely on fossil fuels. And so that's the goal is to, in that industry is to go electric. Well, the question is, how can we go electric, so to speak, in the meat industry? But and that means going animal free. And so what we have done is created a substrate that you can use, like an animal meat, that not only is better for the planet, but is way better for us. So it has zero cholesterol, no saturated fat, higher in protein than eggs, higher in iron than beef, higher in fiber than oats, higher in potassium than bananas, and it naturally contains vitamin B12, which most plant foods don't. It's a complete protein. Again, that just means that it has all the essential amino acids that human beings need to thrive. And so, and then if, if you are really into nutrition and you know what PD cas means, so that's basically a protein digestibility score. It's a way that you can look, not just at the grams of protein in a product, but how digestible that protein is. Right. And- there are, uh, some foods that are, you know, the highest PD cast score you can get is a 1.0. It means the most digestible protein. And that's something like, a, like an egg white. You start talking about foods like beef, that's around like 0.94, 0.95 and so on. Um, and then you get down to other things, um, let's say like peas, which might be in the 0.8s. Well, our rise mycoprotein is 0.96 so it's pretty much as good as you can get comparable to beef in terms of its digestibility and so now you have a product that is common allergen free that has lots of protein and the right kind of protein that you want lots of fiber and is delicious most importantly i mean you know if it didn't if it's really nutritious but it doesn't taste good you know there's no point in doing it but it no. tastes great it's amazing uh, the Sacramento Bee recently came to our facility and they made a video and wrote a story about it. And their food writer, so this is not just any old writer, this is a guy whose entire job is writing about food, said it seemed quote crazy to him. He couldn't believe how meat like the bacon that he tried was, and there's no pork in it at all. It's just made from uh, from animal free sources. And so this is the future of protein. This is the future in the same way that you know we relied on, on horses for many thousands of years to transport us and then they were displaced by cars. Or in the same way that we were to light our homes and then kerosene and eventually electricity were invented and that decimated the whaling industry. We have been relying on animals for meat for thousands of years, but that will not go forward for thousands more years. People will still enjoy meat. They're still gonna have the same experience, just like we still transport ourselves. We still light our homes and so on, but it's gonna be done in a different way, in a way more sustainable way that is better for us and better for the planet.
0: Unreal, man. I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating to think that something to your point, fermentation, been around you know more in a day or two, is you know advanced itself to this level. You know, you, you touched a little bit about some of the meat alternatives that are out there, and I've tried some of these meat alternatives. One of the things I found gross is that they're very oily, right? They they'll they'll ruin your pots or ruin your pans. I mean, it's 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 it no lie, it's a shit show in the kitchen if you cook them wrong, right? I mean, it's messy. I'm assuming the way you're doing it, you don't, you don't deal with that same kind of an issue. You don't have that, that oily base because of the way you're actually going through the fermentation versus the way they're extracting from the plant
1: itself. Yeah. So our mycoprotein has nearly no fat in it whatsoever. So the right. food company can end up adding whatever it wants to it, but it does have like a, a good capacity to with, to withhold moisture within it. And so you actually get less cookout, so to speak. That's like when, you know, the, the moisture bleeds out of it during cooking, right. you actually get less cookout um, than you do with other products and certainly less than meat. So, you know, if you, interesting, if you think about um, animal meat, it, it is, there's no fiber in it, right? We know fiber oftentimes retains moisture and there's no fiber in it. So just by way of background, you know, animals have skeletons, that's what holds us up. Plants don't have skeletons, so they have fiber, that's what holds them up. And so there's no fiber in meat, um, where there's a lot of fiber in whole plant foods and whole fungi. And this is a real concern because fiber deficiency is extremely rampant in our society. Mm-hmm. More than 90% of Americans don't eat the recommended daily allowance of fiber. And fiber, yeah. Yeah. And so you think about yeah. that like fiber deficiency is associated, not just with constipation though, that's bad enough, but also colon cancer and other really serious ailments. And so a lot of the times you, know, you look at food packaging and you'll see, it's like boasting, oh, like 10 grams of protein, 20 grams of protein, but they never, they're rarely at least putting the fiber on there yet. Protein deficiency is virtually non-existent in America. You know, you're not protein deficient and there's a high, um, and there's a high chance that you've never met somebody who's protein deficient. Like it's just virtually non-existent in America. Whereas fiber deficiency is rampant, most likely every person we know is, uh, is fiber deficient. And so the question is, how can we, if people really want to eat meat, which has no fiber and they're less likely to eat plants, which has more fiber. What if we took an ingredient like mycoprotein, like our rhizomycoprotein from the better meat comb and put it in meat. So you could have, let's say a blended nugget or a blended meatball. So you get the protein that you want, but you get the fiber that you need. And that's one of the reasons I'm so enthusiastic about rise of mycoprotein is that it can be used not just to create totally animal-free meat experiences like the products that you were just talking about, Todd, but also hybrid experiences where you right. take the best of both worlds and you can have uh, a combination of both animal meat and our mycoprotein so that you get this product that is really delicious and it's got everything you want. Unreal, dude. That's still I just I guess why,
0: that's why I stoked to do this show because this is just so, so super cool. Um, interesting though, to me, and I want to kind of touch on this a little bit. I mean, you got, look, you're kind of your own thing. It's kind of uncharted waters. You're blazing a trail out there today, which is incredibly impressive. But you know, how do you label this? How, how does this go on a pack? How, did, how do consumers know that it's there? You know, yeah. because it is kind of uncharted. So how do you overcome that? Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now a word from our sponsor.
2: Hi, I'm Karen Nardotza. President and CEO of Moxie Marketing. On behalf of all the Moxers worldwide, thanks for listening to Todd Versations and Toddbits. At Moxie, we're known for strategic marketing and PR, unique branding and packaging, award-winning web and graphic design, and trade show experiences that generate results. Whether you're selling B2B or B2C, a farmer, processor, commodity board, retailer, food service, or somewhere else on the supply chain, we make it easier to grow your brand and your business. From avocados to zucchini and petunias to protein, we help you tell your story, stand out, and achieve your goals. Get Moxie and together we'll celebrate your success.
1: Yeah, so it is uncharted and to some extent. So, um, you know, if you look at the world of fermentation labeling in the United States, it, it is um, pretty nebulous. Like people, sometimes they put the, the Latin name of their organism on there. Um, I, I generally think that's kind of freaky to people. Like if they see something like acidophilus, like, you know, acidophilus is good for you. They're, you know, There's nothing wrong with it, but it sounds kind of like a science experiment. Uh, so, uh, you know, people uh, sometimes don't necessarily like that. Um, other people just put a trademark name. Um, so uh, our, well, we just call it riza Mycoprotein. That's what it is. You know, mycoprotein is what we grow, and our brand on it is called riza and uh, that's it. And I think that as time goes by, people will become more familiar with what mycoproteins are. You know, right now people are accustomed to protein coming from the animal or the plant kingdom, so they know about. Right. Protein they know about like pea protein or soy protein or whatever. Um, but eventually we're going to be consuming more and more protein coming from fungi and fungi are not plants. They are a separate kingdom altogether. And so I think more and more and myco M Y C O is basically just means fungi. So, in, in, right. uh, you know, you, you, the more we uh, talk about mycoproteins, the more accustomed I think people will be to uh, not only um, knowing what they are, but actually enjoying them and, and seeking them out.
0: Right and, and Riza, if I'm not mistaken, that's root, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, it is exactly. And Greek,
0: it's root. Yeah, I went to bio, I went. I went to class every once in a while. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'll, well, tell me a little bit. You know, I mean, it's so fascinating to think about what you guys are doing, and, and you know, and you're just getting going. You're just, you know, you're you're kicking in some doors. You're getting a lot of people going. Wow, there's no two ways about that. And we just had a conversation before we started the broadcast about somebody just, you know, that I know that went, wow, you know, just like this is amazing. So tell me a little bit about your partnership that you've got with Hormel, what you guys are doing in Purdue as well, what you guys are doing, and you know where that's going. And 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 really, actually, another question I'll throw on top of it: It's like, what are they thinking? I mean, obviously, these guys, everybody, what are they thinking about it? Because they've got to be going, holy crap, this is really and, cool.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I don't want us to put words in their mouth, but so Purdue. Well, we just
0: I did so screw it. Just okay, keep going,
1: Todd. You put words in their mouth. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So Purdue has a product. It's called Purdue Chicken Plus. It's a hybrid product that's 50% chicken, 50% plant-based. So it's got all the protein that a conventional chicken nugget has, but way more fiber, less saturated fat, less cholesterol. And it's very good. People really love it. Food Network named it the best tasting frozen chicken nugget in America. And so you think about that, the best tasting frozen chicken nugget in America is only 50% chicken. And you can't tell the difference. You know, kids eat it, they look at it, they can't tell the difference by sight or by taste. Mm-hmm. And so these products are now the Purdue Chicken Plus products, uh, which contain better meat-co-ingredients as part of that plant base is uh, now, it's now in uh, over 7,000 supermarkets throughout the country, including Walmart. So it's a product that's doing quite well. Our partnership with Hormel is a joint development agreement. So uh, we are partnered with Hormel to scale up the mycelium production and do product development together to make all types of really cool products out of our rhizome mycoprotein. And so we are limited. Like in Sacramento, we've built this fermentation facility that I mentioned, um, but we can only produce so much. I mean, this is really a demonstration scale facility. Yes, the fermenters go up a few stories, but in order to produce millions of pounds, which is what we really need to be doing, we need fermenters that are dramatically bigger, like fermenters that are like the size of office buildings. And we're not there yet. So the Better Miko is still a small company. We only have 20 full time employees, uh, but we're a small company that's doing big things. And yeah. the next- We're we're recording this in June of 2022. And our next step is to go out and raise a financing round to get the capital we need to build a full scale commercial fermentation operation where we can be producing, producing tens of millions of pounds of the mycoprotein so that big meat companies can utilize it in their products nationwide. And, you know, we want to be partnered with lots of companies, not just one or two. And we just don't have the capacity to produce as much as that we need right now. So that's our next step is go out, raise some money uh, from the investment community and build a full scale plant so that we can bring the next generation of protein into the present.
0: Well, I'll go out on a limb and knowing what I know and talking to the VC guys that I talk to and around. I don't think you're going to get a lot of people that are going to give you a hard time about what you're doing. Not want to step up and help and get a part of this because, that's to your point, it is it is, a, it, is a, it is a it is a change that's coming, and it's a positive change that's coming. And the fact that you can do alternative things and you can address you know the organic industry, you can get you know kind of come that whole three hundred and sixty approach about what's going on. That carries a lot of weight, right? You're going to bring a lot of people to the party,
2: yeah. And i do. uh,
0: I, I don't I don't expect uh, i don't expect you to have too many problems. All right, well, when people, when you, you peel that, you peel the sheets back a little bit. Everybody gets a little peek of what you guys are doing. They're gonna be like, "Holy shit, I'm on,
1: I'm in, count me in." Well, we, we would like to get them in. We want to get this party started. We've been yeah. doing this. We've been doing this for four years, and we're looking forward to doing it for decades longer. We want to create the largest mycoprotein ingredients company in the world. Right now, there is no such thing as right mycoprotein right. ingredients company that's <clears throat> making mycelium that can go out and buy. There are other companies that do cool things with fungi, but they're not making mycelium biomass that they're selling as like a meat alternative. And we wanna be the first and we wanna be the biggest. In the same way that you go to Cargill and you can get a whole variety of ingredients. You know, you can get soy protein or pea protein or wheat protein or chickpea protein or whatever you get from Cargill. We want folks to come to the Better Meat Co. and get our wide menu of mycoprotein ingredients that they can use to power their products.
0: Unreal, brother. It's absolutely unreal. I mean, you guys got a great trajectory ahead of you. Do You see yourself, you know, I mean, obviously you're up in the sack right now, but you, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining that your your vision is to pop these things up around ag all around the country and be able to, you know, be, be a yes. bigger part of, you know, even be more quote unquote local and, and, you know, less carbon footprint, all the other stuff I would imagine.
1: Yeah, so our headquarters will remain in Sacramento. This is where our demonstration scale plant is. It's where our corporate headquarters will be, but we do not intend to keep our manufacturing here. So we uh, intend more likely to build manufacturing facilities throughout the world, but starting in the Midwest of the United States. Um, and we have some good partnerships there that we're looking forward to scaling up. So uh, we want to though see our fermentation facilities go all over to have them in Asia, to have them in Europe, to have them in Latin America, This is an almost magical technology that can transform low-value agricultural byproducts into high-value meat alternatives, and there's no reason this wouldn't work in these other geographic regions. And when it's an ingredient that can be blended into all types of products, you just know there's a huge market out there for this.
0: Congratulations, man. This is super cool. I think it's awesome. I I really do appreciate you hanging out with me today and telling my audience what's going on. Like I said, I try try really hard to find cool things to talk about. And things that people don't know is why I hope everybody on the treadmills are still, you know, slowed down. You can speed back up. Now we're wrapping up. All right. Very good. but, But nonetheless, you know, it's just really great to see what you guys are doing, cutting edge, making a difference, tackling some big world global community problems that we have and putting them out on the forefront for people to start looking at. I think it's great, dude.
1: Congratulations. I appreciate that, Todd. Thanks so much. And thanks for all that you've done in the food industry, too. I know that you have been a pioneer for decades and I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate you saying that. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope we inspired you a little bit today. It's a cool story. You got to love it. Get on, get online, go check it out. Better Miko, co. I think it'll be fascinating. Go to the website. They got a great site. They're doing some cool stuff and go visit, you know, reach out, go, go up to SAC. You're up in SAC, knock on the door. You know, you might get a lunch out of him. You never know.
1: <laughs> all right. Very good. Very. I good. appreciate
0: it, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to check us out on social media where the cool kids are. That's where we are. And uh, we'll see you on our next broadcast. And we appreciate all you do and subscribing and listening take care of yourselves. And. Keep smiling. Go inspire somebody today. It's really important. Take care.